This is the Saxo Market Call. Daily insights on what is moving the financial markets. Hello and welcome to the Saxo Market Call on Monday the 13th of March 2023 and what a ending to last week Ole and what a busy weekend for US regulators and also UK regulators because what we have got over the the weekend and for those that are either new to the podcast or didn't listen on Friday we had on uh, Thursday uh, the news that Silvergate Capital was liquidating that created a cascading effect into the US banking system there was a, uh, a run on deposits big VC firms in Silicon Valley uh, advised its clients to pull out deposits from Silicon Valley Financial which is a, the holding company of Silicon Valley Bank Basically, effectively on Friday, a big, uh, big bank run, uh, more deposits being pulled out that they could uh, sell in terms of assets on the balance sheet. Uh, they went into, um, they were taken over by the FDIC in the U.S. and and then as we came into the weekend, um, Signature Bank, another bank also important in the in the crypto uh, e- cryptocurrency ecosystem, was uh, was also taken over by U.S. regulators. And the U.S. regulators they created a, a full backstop of all uninsured. Deposits. So 96% of SVB financial deposits were not on the uh, insurance deposit guarantee system or scheme. And we've now got a full backstop of all those. Um, and in, in addition to that, a new uh, banking lending program has been created, um, providing a program for up to one-year loans with very favorable uh, lending conditions. And then what we also got over the weekend was... Um, a little bit of a panic mode, to say the least, among the VC uh, capital industry in in London and the UK, wider UK, and they uh, brokered a deal which H- HSBC, um, which is now taking over the Silicon Valley banking, uh, sorry, Silicon Valley Bank's UK unit, because they um, they thought that there was uh, systemic uh, problems in the uh, in the startup ecosystem if that bank uh, if they couldn't access those deposits here on Monday morning. So here we are, Ole. Uh, we have equity futures higher. We have the dollar lower we have short-term uh, yields lower we have uh, I put in here on slide two so you can see the um, the small rebound and uh, and you can also see a little bit of a heat map on the um, so far the the um, the price performance in the US equity market so it seems like Asia and Europe is catching a little bit up with that late market session performance in the US so um, but it still gives you a little bit of a reflection that you know this market it's in, it's celebrating a little bit but I would say it's way too early to celebrate. Before you talk a little about what's happening in the short end of the yield curve, I'll just say that the lessons we learned from 2008, nine, also the euro era crisis, when you see the first cracks, you know, the governments come to the rescue, they come up with a solution, but I think we should always be a little bit cautious with celebrating too early because it, it is always a sign that something was wrong and it could cr- quickly you know, create other secondary effects. But Ole, on slide five, uh, we also have slide four, we have uh, the yield curve and... Um, and, and it's responding in uh, in an interesting way here. It is indeed. Um, basically, um, there's been all the talk that the, the more inverted the yield curve becomes, the more uh, it signals the uh, an incoming recession. 
And then what uh, what quite often happens is when you actually do enter the recession, you see a, a collapse in the uh, or you see a very, a very steepening curve suddenly because uh, the 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 short end is is being supported. And um, whether this is uh, what is unfolding right now remains to be seen. But uh, we have we have seen the the two year note future just surge higher. The uh, the yield has has come down quite significantly, uh, as you can see on the chart there, and. It, it it does obviously make sense if you are if you are having your money on deposit and you are hardly receiving any interest rates and suddenly you are, as we saw last week you can get five percent by putting your parking your money in in two year government notes then that obviously is a deal uh, that's worth uh, chasing and now with the way you're also starting to worry about your capital then that's even strengthening the the uh, the idea that uh, you, you need to be in in bonds instead of having just uh, your money stock on deposit so this is what we're seeing right now and and the weakness in the in the dollar uh, or the weakness in in uh, yields is uh, is driving down the uh, the weak, the value of the dollar we got a few slides so we we come back to some of the others but i just jumped to seven as well just to just to highlight since uh, since thursday when we uh, had uh, Powell appearing uh, on on uh, Capitol Hill, uh, coming out with his very very uh, hawkish uh, message, uh, which uh, at briefly uh, saw the market price in four rate hikes uh, before the end of this year. That is now down to just one. We'll come to that, but uh, but that that collapse has has uh, has driven the, some weakness in the dollar. And as you can see, since Thursday, the 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 biggest uh, gainer has been the Swiss franc, which makes sense. Uh, we're seeing US Euro Swiss break uh, break lower. But even the uh, the euro dollar as well, we found support uh, last week around that 106, uh, 30, 40 area. Now we're trading back above 107. So so the dollar is is, uh, is weakening, and that's that's driving a general uh, improvement in the risk appetite. The, the problem is obviously risk appetite for 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 this reason alone is is not enough to uh, to sustain it. All right, and we have some other charts as well that are important to uh, to focus on here. So one of the uh, one of the charts that we have as well is um, slide six. So what we're seeing here is forward rate agreement over the overnight uh, interest rate being offered in this system, risk free. So this spread measures basically the demand for uh, for higher you know premium on interest rates in the banking system itself. So it's uh, it's uh, it's a measure of uh, that those pressures that could be in the money market system. So we had an internal call. So I think with what have taken place over the weekend, what is important here is not so much to watch actually the the equity market. It's 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 the secondary effects will be will be more evident in in other parts of the market. So we um, we advise or we recommend investors to look at you know Bitcoin for a temperature on the highest risk taking on the marginal side of things. Also because it's tied to some of these smaller regional banks. That is one of the interesting things. You know, a lot of the big banks that didn't want to touch crypto, so smaller banks in the U.S. were happy to do business with the crypto industry to get a little bit of growth and more business, and so that's why that there there are some risks there. So watch the Bitcoin. Also, this uh, forward rate agreement over the OIS spread um, as a temperature on money markets and and basically you know the risk inside the banking system and then wider credit spreads as well are important to watch the dollar as well and 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 yields. So um, to watch out for those. And then I, I wrote a very long piece on Friday, summing up my ideas about what this whole thing is. And um, a couple of things uh, I call it the deposit game. A warning shot has been fired, and I've put in the link there. But you can also find it if you Google, Google it. So basically, what we have is this system, this accounting rule, which allows banks to move as the interest rate moved higher. They got losses on their bond uh, bond portfolio, and they can move those bonds from what is called available to sell, where the 
P&L of those bonds flow through the income statement. They can then move that pocket on the balance sheet at the at cost. So basically, what they bought the bonds for, and then they can say we help, we hope we will hold these bonds to maturity. So then now they sit in this held to maturity bucket on the balance sheet, and they don't flow through either the the equity statements or the um, the income statements. And that increases the hidden risk in the system because it suddenly becomes uh, very, very important that you have short-term funding to hold these bonds to maturity. And what we have seen is that during the uh, interest rate rises in 2022 and the, the, the fallout in the technology sector widely, but also high inflation is pressuring households and the technology sector, et cetera, to pay up for higher bills, et cetera. And then you can see deposits are being sucked out of the system, both in the US and Europe. That's the chart to the to the right. And actually, if I had stretched out this time, those time series, what you would find is that not even during the financial crisis did we have deposits falling in the banking system, but that is actually what we're seeing right now. So I call it a musical chair game right now because a lot of banks are sitting on a lot of unrealized uh, losses in the system because they're not forced to sell. Um, so there, I think there will be a lot of ramification around this. I think, I think regulators, when we are, when when this crisis uh, is over one day, will be looking at this accounting rules. And and because if banks had been have not been had the opportunity to move them to held to maturity bucket, then they would have been a net forced seller of bonds through 2022, which would have put up, pushed up interest rates even even more. And you would probably have seen a bigger transmission from the. Fed interest rate policy into wider yields. I also want to highlight U.S. versus European banks. You can see there with the light, the small, and, and sorry for the small charts, by the way, but you have the blue line there, which is European banks in, in Euro terms, and you have the dark line, uh, U.S. banks in, in, the, um, yeah, in, the, in the black line there. And you can see uh, the very, very significant performance difference between these two parts of the banking system, obviously reflecting some of these uh, issues that we have seen. Also, because the ECB has been lacking the uh, the Fed in their in their in their rates response, but I would argue, and I think it's a, it's a, you can you can think about that as, a, as an idea, but I mean you would think that this gap should be closed. So um, and that, that of course can is something for a trader to consider if they have the risk appetite for such a trade. Ole. Yeah, it's not only the, uh, the the short end of the yield curve that's uh, receiving a bit. Uh, we also seen uh, it benefit uh, gold prices. Uh, gold uh, uh, rushed higher on Friday as the panic started to spread, and uh, it continued overnight. Um, we are we're finding some resistance now, but uh, we we're getting in, we're looking at the chart here on slide eight. You can see we are we we, we most certainly have made a, a decisive break away from that uh, from that. Uh, Challenging of the 1800 that we saw saw last week, whether it's uh, whether it's enough uh, obviously remains to be seen. But uh, with with the dollar and, and yields coming down at the same time, then there's really not um, not much headwind for for gold at this point. So look out for that 1900 level. It really is the level that we need to need to close above in order to uh, to conclude that the correction that we saw throughout February is is uh, is behind us. Um, what we've seen also in, in uh, delayed uh, commitment of traders report data, which is now um, a couple of weeks delayed, we will probably catch up uh, this week. But it does indicate shows how uh, speculators were very heavy sellers of gold during the early parts of February when that uh, when that correction started, and that means as well that uh, they are unprepared for for this bounce that we we're currently going through. What we need to pay close attention to as well is, uh, as, as I mentioned earlier, is, uh, you can see there on the right-hand side, basically the, the, uh, the, 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 the pricing of the terminal effective rate in the U.S. 
we were close to uh, just on Thursday what looked what was basically four additional rate hikes, almost one percent additional rate hikes, and that has been brought down to uh, to one, and that's uh, basically to happen within the next few months. And then uh, the market is already now pricing in a cut by December, so it, it's a, it's just a phenomenal change in the outlook in a short space of time, and that that obviously will will continue to reverberate uh, reverberate around uh, around the markets, and and we could potentially also see some of that being scaled back again. But at least in the short term, it's providing some additional support. So uh, look out for gold, look out for the short end, uh, also as 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 risk uh, gauges for uh, or sentiment sentiment indicators in the market. Yeah, and I think it 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 also covers a more wider point that we want to put out on this podcast today, and that is that. Nobody really knows what I mean. We we can celebrate today that they yeah they backstop all the uninsured uh, deposits etc. But the fact that you have the Fed fund rates pol- policy pricing moving around so massively in such a short time span just is an indication. And I, I I've said to John uh, I call it the guessing game because I think right now we all guessing on what is happening uh, both to inflation the policy rates now with the banking system, etc. I think it is a big guessing game. We don't know. We don't have the full information. It's a very complicated system. And because of that, I think, you know, just, you know, be cautious out there. Um, you know, think long-term, have your investments, but but think about where your risks are and, and just generally don't 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 celebrate too early. I think that that's really the lesson we have learned in the past 15 years. Uh, stocks to watch on slide nine in today's slide deck. So obviously the two main, uh, the first, Key point today: What the U.S. banks could have written, uh, could have put in the European banks as well. They, those are important, but I think the the epicenter here is is U.S. banks. So so watch those um, in today's session. And then one of the big losers on Friday as well was uh, was were private equity listed private equity firms. And I think it's a very natural question to ask whether private equity firms are the next one to get into trouble because. I have said privately here on the on our trading desk to uh, to my team members that if you think about it, and we wrote about it in the the models don't work. I, I wrote a, a, <clears throat> a long intro saying that if you think about the financial system and what is going on as a biological system, then all the participants and agents in the system that were the most fit during low interest rates are the ones that are the least fit when we have had this regime shift, and the VC and the private equity. Uh, sectors have been really one of the big beneficiaries of the low interest rate environment, and the, you know, contrary to uh, SVB Financial and Signature Bank and the banking system, you know, private equity firms have a lot of assets on their balance sheets which are not uh, very liquid, and um, so, um, but they also rely on funding as well from from capital markets. So if uh, if this shock we have got is suddenly are beginning to to uh, to put these uh, spillover effects into private equity, and you're generally a more higher demand for liquidity or, or even less available liquidity then um, <clears throat> private equity could could be in the um, in the, you know on the target for uh, for for risk so um so watch out for that i i don't think we can rule that out and then earnings to watch there are, there are no earnings to uh, to watch today so that's good but uh, i've highlighted in blue some of the earnings to watch for this week uh, on slide 10 so Volkswagen tomorrow a lot of focus will be on the outlook. I just looked at the analyst revenue growth expectation for Volkswagen this year. Only 2% growth. If that's the outlook that Volkswagen uh, commits itself to, I think that that would be very bad because you have Tesla and BYD, which is, has a very strong narrative. They're ramping up EV production massively, as you can see here on the chart to the right. And and Volkswagen has had their troubles really you know, getting traction and, and keeping up in terms of pace with Tesla and BYD. 
So um, I, I think it's uh, we're getting into a very critical year for for Volkswagen this year and next year. They they need seriously if they want to become or maintain and, and I think Toyota is in a bigger problem here. But if they want to become um, and maintain their leading position in the car industry, they they need seriously need to get um, into action. So very key important earnings release for Volkswagen tomorrow and then BMW. On Wednesday we have Adobe and Lenar. On Wednesday, Adobe being one of the very frothy uh, high equity valuation companies, formerly in our bubble stocks basket. No, no, sorry, not the bubble stocks, but in in the you know the very lofty software companies basket. And then uh, Lenar is a home builder, so um, very curious to see what they what they seeing on the ground uh, with all this uh, this noise, all these uh, you know high interest rates. How is it impacting the housing market in the U.S. And then FedEx on the logistics side on Thursday, Friday, Fonovia, which is one of the um, one of the biggest real estate companies, if not the biggest company, uh, real estate owner in Germany. Very curious to uh, to hear what they're saying in terms of what is actually happening in the European real estate market. We know from Sweden and other markets that the, a lot of uh, real estates are uh, real estate markets are under pressure as we speak. And uh, Ole, I don't know whether you want to walk us through the macro. <coughs> it's not it's not very fat today. No, exactly. We haven't really got any data to coming out today that's worth uh, that's worth uh, our attention. Uh, so that we will obviously be watching the uh, the the wider markets for 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 direction. Later on the week, uh, already tomorrow, we have a very key number. We got uh, CPI coming up from the U.S. and uh, coming on top of uh, what's been. What's been repriced in the uh, in in terms of uh, rate hikes that that, that will be, be watched very carefully. The the oil market has seen a bounce as well over overnight uh, again with the uh, with the better uh, risk sentiment and with the weaker dollar. But I think uh, we are we are seeing the risk sentiment improve uh, on the back of the basically a uh, race risk of a recession. So uh, the upside potential there remains limited. I would say at this point. So we still range bound. Um, look out for oil market reports late in the week from OPEC tomorrow and IEA on Wednesday. And then uh, we'll have uh, John back tomorrow from his uh, very well-timed long weekend away. I'm, sh- I'm sure he's been cursing away at his green, but uh, he'll be back tomorrow. So uh, interested to see his uh, hear his takes on all this. But uh, in the meantime, stay careful out there. It's most certainly helmets on. I think we're not out of the woods yet. So um, let's see what the day brings. Have a good one. Thanks for listening. This has been the Saxo Market Call. For feedback and questions, reach out to us on Twitter at Saxo Market Call or by email, marketcall at saxobank.com.